Welcome to Glib Shark, the podcasting madness of three people and the shark of their dreams. Our hosts include Jack Jenga Ship Edithel, Lauren Oboe Crazy Urban, and Jonathan Roadblock Cerna. Dive in as they chat with interesting people across the internet and generally talk about really geeky things. Be a chum and join us, won't you? It's time for Glib Shark. We are. All right. Start us up because we're already 20 minutes late. So, Hi, I'm Jack. I'm sorry we're 20 minutes late. Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm extra sorry we're 20 minutes late. And we are Glib Shark. Jonathan is on assignment somewhere, I can only assume, either on the Dreadnought or perhaps Venus or maybe the Reef. I don't know. One of those places. So to record this on October 18th, 2016, um, I think this is the first episode we're doing since we found out that Bob Dylan is has been basically won a, a Nobel Prize for literature. Which makes a lot of sense in my opinion. And I'm not even that big of a Bob Dylan fan. I just... I have a lot of respect for the man, but you know, not necessarily a huge fan of his. I, I like it. I like his song. I'm not like a diehard, but I enjoy the albums that I do have. But I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. I feel like the news is kind of your thing, and I feel like I should be turning it over to the lovely, the talented, the amazing Oboe Crazy to do a little something that we call this week in geek. How are you, Lauren? Well, I'm not going to be talking about Bob Dylan. I'm sorry. I'm going to be That's talking true. about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio who is not getting any kind of award for anything, but he is going to be remaking Captain Planet. Okay, wait, he's not actually remaking a new version of it that might be more Adult Swim-ish. So uh, for those of you who don't know what Captain Planet is, and, you know, welcome to TV shows from the 90s. Captain Planet and the Planeteers was a TV show that aired from September 1990 to December of 1992. Basically was a early superhero-ish type show that centered on five young people from around the world given magical rings that had the power to control the natural elements and heart. Because... United, they can summon Captain Planet, who was the superhero who was supposed to fight against environmental evils. It was cheesy. It was corny. It was kind of endemic of those of us who grew up in the 90s. And the rights have been basically floating around Hollywood for a while now. The project to do a new version of Captain Planet was previously in development by Sony, but the rights lapsed. So apparently... Leonardo DiCaprio wants in on it. Now, his production com- company called Appian Way, they are trying to actually get the rights to Captain Planet. They want to, according to The Hollywood Reporter, hire Glenn Powell and his writing partner, Jono Matt, to pen the screenplay. And apparently it's going to be a slightly different take. Uh, sources say the story takes place years after the adventures on the show. So the show will be canonical with the captain now being a washed up has-been who needs the kids more than they need him. No other information is available. Uh, Basically, 
Leonardo DiCaprio maybe taking our childhood and and for once not ruining it but making it better because let's face it we all have very fond memories and and of Captain Planet and all of us from that era are you know like smile oh it's a Captain Planet and I I summon the the power of heart let's face it it was awful it was an awful cartoon it was cheesy it was messagey and no if you've got friends who can summon earth wind and fire and you can summon heart you lose You've lost the power war, as any of the superheroes out there will tell you. Anyway, who knows what will happen, but apparently this thing might be actually moving forward, so we'll see. Speaking of superheroes and the crazy things that happen when one large company owns a lot of them, ABC is kind of owned by Disney, and Disney owns Marvel, and Marvel has Doctor Strange coming out. And apparently Marvel and Disney and ABC decided that Doctor Strange might not be known by absolutely everybody on the planet just yet and needs some more promotion and needs to reach that critical audience of superhero fans that they've been missing out, people who are just dying to go and see what could possibly be one of the weirdest Marvel movies out there if only we could reach this, this sought-after audience of soap opera fans? That's right. If you're a fan of General Hospital, there might have been a very conspicuous bit of uh, product placement on a recent show. The October 12th episode includes a scene where characters Ned and Olivia, Olivia are sharing a romantic moment because, you know, it's a soap opera. And as the pair discuss getting together or back together or hooking up again or doing something, because I don't know, I'm just reading a story about this. Olivia says, quote, well, you know, Dr. Strange is about to hit theaters pretty soon. And uh, Ned responds, quote, if I can't see that movie with you, I won't see it. It won't be the same. Yeah, it's weird, whatever. You can actually go find this clip on YouTube because it is, I mean, it's the weirdest bit of product placement ever on a, on a soap opera, which is just weird to begin with. And let's face it, General Hospital has been on for 50 some odd years. Did they really need to have product placement for a Marvel movie? I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of funny to see. It's a weird portent of things to come. Um, I don't know why soap operas haven't dropped this kind of thing in the future or in the past. So who who knows? Is this supposed to get Marvel people into General Hospital? Stay tuned next week as we find out in our next exciting conclusion of I'm not going to watch General Hospital. So finally, a little bit of serious news. For those of you who listen to the show, you probably use Twitter or at least have used it in, in the past at some point, or if you happen to not use it, you know what it is. You probably also know that Twitter has been trying to get bought by somebody so that it can make some money. Because as much as Twitter is ubiquitous and a giant conglomerate of news and social outlets and weirdness, it's it's something that is big and doesn't make any money. So recently, 
Twitter had been trying to get acquired by a couple of places and failed miserably. Uh, the Walt Disney Company was interested. Uh, NBC was interested. And all of it fell through. And just recently, we found out why. Apparently, uh, Twitter has been failing to control the bad people on Twitter, which, of course, a lot of people on Twitter have known about for a very long time, that Twitter as much as it's filled with your friends and family and people that you like to follow, talking about all kinds of things you like to hear about and up-to-the-minute news, it's also filled with bullying and racism and sexism and trolling and really horrible, horrible, horrible things that Twitter has been really bad about controlling, saying, you know, the open markets and blah, blah, blah. Well, apparently that issue is one of the main reasons nobody wanted to buy Twitter. The Walt Disney Company um, in September was worried that Twitter would tarnish its wholesome, family-friendly image. Meanwhile, CNBC reported that Salesforce CEO Mark Benoff was also turned off by Twitter's inability to fix its bullying problem. He said on a recent broadcast, quote, what's happened is a lot of bidders are looking at people with lots of followers and seeing the hatred, end quote. The statements on Twitter's reputation are a big blow to the company and kind of a little bit of a surprise when you think of it from a business standpoint. But then you think about, well, I'm buying this huge social media thing that comes along with all of this systemic horribleness. And maybe it's not that surprising. Uh, the rumor was that Disney was actually interested in using Twitter as an online video distribution platform or a way for the company to reach 20 million cord cutter households that don't have a cable or satellite subscri subscription. But they took one look at all of those crazy trolly people out there and said, nope. And, you know, speaking of Disney, one of their big movies that came out recently was Ghostbusters and Leslie Jones went through just some horrific harassment on Twitter. So in a way, it's actually not a surprise. So here's here's a lesson for everybody. The, the statement is usually don't feed the trolls or don't antagonize the trolls or, you know, ignore them and they'll go away. Or if you, you know, engage with them, then you're actually giving them what they want. And the correct response is um, mute them, get rid of them, have policies that let you delete them and remove them because it's not just good socially. It's also good business. That's all for this week in geek i'm oboe crazy and i am good for business <laughs> what's best for business is for you to send your facts for this week in geek to lauren at oboecrazy.com and she'll read them live and on the air and while you're out go to glibshark.com where uh, all the episodes of our content uh classic jenga jam modern uh glibshark all-time podcast and of course Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Now with its own feed, actually. So you can subscribe to that and just get Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks. Uh, Glibshark.com, the house of all of our content. But, uh, you know, I, I did want to mention that, like, the whole include the whole Disney thing, the whole Twitter deal falling through, just sort of made me think about something I've been thinking about a long time. How, you know, inclusion is sort of good business. Aside from being, you know, morally the right thing to do, it's like, if you don't have unique voices come to the forefront with innovation that otherwise, you know, it gets shut down, you know, it gets shut down and, and quieted down, then you're losing money. And there's a lot of opportunity cost that comes at the cost of inherent bias, that comes in the cost of, you know, not being inclusive and cost of discrimination. 
And, you know, if the moral argument you don't find persuasive, then, you know, look at your pocketbook. And if you can use some more money, maybe it's time to start being more, uh, you know, less of a less of a jerk about these kind of things. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of media out there, and especially with the way media has changed in the last decade or so, that can um, they can target niche markets of likes of of, you know, it, it used to be that you had to buy a cable package and a whole bunch of extra channels to even get the sci-fi channel or get any kind of science fiction. And now you can find science fiction practically anywhere. And, you know, those of us who want to watch a very specific thing and that's never going to be on NBC, ABC, CBS, or Fox, I, I can now subscribe to a Twitter feed that can bring me some of the best Dungeons and Dragons live playing that I've ever seen. And I don't have to wait for it to show up on a big, big channel and petition. It, it can just be out there, which is excellent that these niche markets, these little tiny pockets of people who want something very specific can be catered to. But on the other hand, your product then needs to, in order to grow, needs to be able to move out of that niche market. You need to be able to you know, appeal to the people who wanted you in the first place, but then you need to be able to be appealing to a wider audience. And if you're alienating people because you're full of assholes or racists or bigots or or anything like that, all, all that does is continue to make you only be in that niche market. And uh, I was, Dungeons and Dragons has been one of those things where yes, it was a very, hardcore nerd thing for a very long time and it was also a derogatory way of describing the uber nerd person in your basement who has no social skills kind of thing and this renaissance of D&D that's happened over the last three four five six years however long has been amazing because those of us who love the game have been able to share it you know, with more people, uh, it's no longer a derogatory thing to be like, oh, you play D&D. But on top of that, because the core product itself is so open and inclusive, anyone can play, you can be anyone, it caters to everybody, it it really requires very little, it has a broad appeal. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's it's may have started as a very niche geeky thing, but it has been embraced by so many other people outside of that because it is not niche focused that was a really random rant sorry yeah we're we're kind of the place for random rant though that is that's our niche if you will so to get out of random rants what have you been up to this week well um a lot and not so much i finally have my house my new place under control so uh, for those <laughs> who don't know i moved i'm uh, living uh in Chester County, Pennsylvania. Previously, I was living in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. So from one Philly suburb to another, a little one, a little further out, you know, closer to my wife's work, closer to my work. It's a town called Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, I, I like it here. It's the only thing that's down, kind of a downside is it's not as walkable as my old neighborhood was, but you can finagle. If I cut across the hospital, it's pretty easy for me to get to, get to sidewalks. So my dog and I actually walked into the borough for the first time um, to this place called Marshall Park. So I've been sort of exploring with him this new place. I set up our dining room table and uh, we actually had dinner um, on our dining room table for the first time ever. We got a table for my brother-in-law brother -in -law and a sister-in-law. 
And um, I made dinner on Saturday. Just nothing fancy, just uh, some spicy Italian sausage. I caramelized some peppers and onions, threw in some marinara sauce, and then mixed it with some angel hair pasta. So not really anything groundbreaking, but, you know, it's amazing that I can, as a man, can get a gold star for doing something that a lot of women do all the time without any kind of fanfare. Well, and it's a... It's a, here's our new house. Here's the first time we're going to eat on a proper table. Here's our first proper meal. I, I I think that's still something to celebrate. Absolutely. And the thing is, at the old place, we didn't even have room for a dining room table. Like, our apartment was much smaller. It was a one-bedroom, but the one-bedroom was so small that there was no room in the closet or for any of uh, my clothes or any of my dressers. So what was officially our dining room? became sort of my clothes annex. Uh, for those who, you know, listen to Dungeons and Dragons and Junks with Glib Shark, my recording, I usually just do that in the living room. And then, you know, my poor wife would have to go into exile in the bedroom, watch TV. Now I have my own recording studio, which is basically our guest bedroom. So this is set up more or less the way I want it. We got the sound things out of the way for the first week. And uh, yeah, I'm just sort of enjoying life so far. Um, not enjoying thing the Eagles lose so much, but that's a that's a sports thing that we talk about at a later sports time. <laughs> Considering I sports can't help you sports with any sports, unless you want to talk about the yay the Seahawks won and apparently they won in like the last five minutes. Yay! That's well, which I, literally is all I know about sports for this so week. So I am happy about that because I have two uh, Seattle Seahawks on my fantasy team. Unfortunately, they weren't enough collectively to pull my team through after uh, winning three straight games. Um, mm. I lost. Um, the last week game. So I'm back down to three and three, but my point, like I've scored so many points. I'm still kind of hovering in sixth place in a league of 14 teams. So I figure once I get to my winning ways again, I'm kind of unstoppable. I have like the best running back tandem in the entire league. So, so yeah, fantasy sports. Yay. Fantasy sports. What have you been up to? Um, well, last, this past weekend, was the storm, windstorm of the century in Seattle, which ended up actually being nothing, I, thankfully. Uh, the predictions were fairly dire. The weather channel was, the weather channel was actually a little insane. I am kind of used to the National Weather Service issuing warnings about severe weather that's coming. And there was this very large, potentially very windy storm headed for Seattle that was supposed to hit Friday and then kind of die off a little bit and then get really bad on Saturday. Bad enough that the the weather forecast was literally like, hey, stock up on supplies. You're going to lose power. Uh, trees are going to be down. It's going to be super bad. And it was windy. <laughs> a little and that was about it i mean fortunately all of the dire predictions ended up being not true and uh i ended up having a lovely weekend at home and we still had power and internet and everything was fine and it was uh here i actually so it was so bad and so explicit that i actually grabbed a screen capture so the vast majority of the time the weather channel is fairly uh dry in its reporting unless they're like urging you to get out of the way of a hurricane so here is an actual quote about the storm that was supposed to happen this weekend quote 
What remains to be seen is exactly what track the low center will take. This will make a huge difference in how badly this storm impacts Western Washington. There is a one in three chance of the low center directly crossing some part of Washington, Western Washington. This would be a worst case scenario leading to a historical windstorm for nearly all of Western Washington that would be long remembered. End quote. Seriously, the National Weather Service was talking about storms to be long remembered, and it got a little windy. So there was that. So it's actually kind of good that there was a Seahawks game that went through on Sunday, because if the storm had been as bad as the weather uh, service predicted, we would have been wiped off the map, apparently. The wind was going to be super bad. And it's so that was fun. Uh, Luke and I made sure we had candles and uh, wood for the fireplace just in case and a couple of dry goods. And then we went to a Mexican restaurant and had margaritas. So we were super prepared because margaritas. Hey, remember kids, if a hurricane's coming your way, get margaritas. Yay. Uh, more importantly, we caught up on Westworld. Have you been watching that show? I have not. I've heard some things, some good, some, good, some bad. Others, not so much, but uh, I do technically have HBO, so I could watch it. So I took, I I don't remember if Roadblock gave this advice on air, off air, but we were talking about Luke Cage and Westworld, and I'd seen, this is about a week ago or so, I'd seen the first episode of Luke Cage and the first episode of Westworld and was trying to, to decide how to go forward. And he had suggested jumping onto Westworld because at this point Luke Cage has happened, but Westworld is happening because it's, it's being released once a week. And so it'll be a little easier to participate in the conversation. And so we're, we're still going to watch. We've watched the first two episodes of Luke Cage. I still absolutely plan on watching the rest, but we put some more of our focus into watching. Uh, there's three episodes of Westworld out right now on HBO and it's so there's a couple things it's excellent we've been enjoying it it is weird it is full of questions um we've i know that luke and i've really been enjoying watching it if for the simple reason that after each episode we've had pretty intense philosophical discussions about all of the crazy shit that's going on in the show the acting is amazing the it's ed harris is holy shit is he good? And I could just watch him growl around on screen and be evil forever because he's amazing. The, um, it's long. Like, I don't know if this is a recent thing because I don't watch a ton of shows on HBO. Game of Thrones always kind of came out in 45 to 50 minute installments, kind of like, you know, here's a network TV show, but we don't give you any commercials. And Westworld all of the episodes have been way more than an hour. I think the second episode was 72 minutes and there's really not a lot of fluff on either side. Like there, there is the, the post show here's like two minutes of credits and here's a couple people talking thing, but that's maybe at most five minutes. These are long ass episodes and they are thick and confusing and visually stunning and amazing. And I don't know if it'll pay off, but 
I am really interested to see what happens. And I'm trying to talk in general enough terms because I don't want to get into spoilers. Uh, but yeah, it's I highly recommend it. It is. And after the season is over, I might have to go back and watch the movie or maybe even read the book. I'm not I'm not sure if I'll follow through with that, but I'm kind of tempted to. Hmm. You know, I'm getting all this avalanche, these these recommendations of things to watch on, particularly on TV. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not going to get to them until I am planning to take about a week off uh, around Thanksgiving. Uh, so I have all this vacation time left over. Uh, I originally was planning to go to India. Like they're thinking about it like later this year, but that kind of fell through. So I have this vacation time I have to use. Uh, December is a busy time at my nine to five. So other than Christmas and the, you know, the day after Christmas itself, I don't want to get any day, days off there. But I figure I just use it all in November. So I think the plan will be that I am going to catch up on all the shows. I'll finally finish Stranger Things, Marco Polo, start with Westworld, and then go from there. The thing that I have been doing a lot, though, is listening to a lot of podcasts, hmm. especially at work. So, you know, I mentioned the Bruce Lee podcast I did. It's uh, done by his daughter, Shannon, which is more about the philosophies and life ethos that he had than the martial arts part of it. Because he had yeah. some really interesting ideas. And I thought that, you know, in terms of self-improvement and everything, and I'm, I'm all about that, especially like kind of where I am now. So I definitely recommend the uh, the Bruce Lee podcast. Uh, the 538 Elections podcast I kind of love because it's kind of like, you know, my generation covering this election, but based on like a data-driven kind of journalism and polls and science, science rather than uh, the typical partisan rhetoric one way or the other. They talk about, well, is it good use of polling or bad use of polling? Uh, never mind. They still have opinions politically, but like they don't pretend that they don't. But I think that the coverage there is more honest because it grounds itself in 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 numbers rather than in an opinion. I mean, anyone can can rant for an hour about their opinion about any given thing. Uh. Cortex, uh, CGP Grey, Mike Hurley, um, Dungeons and Dragons and Drunks, Glib Shark, uh, Jay and Miles explaining the X Men, and then uh, what's the other one? Yeah, can those I, are the, go ahead. Can I uh, jump on so um, to go along with your the Five Thirty Eight podcast um, for people who are looking for more in depth analysis of the actual uh, substance of these campaigns, like policy. I do highly recommend the Vlog Brothers, um, the, the the Green Brothers. Uh, I, I just highly recommend them in general. I don't know actually if they have a podcast, but definitely on YouTube, on look YouTube. for them. Oh, they're yeah. great. Everything they do is kind of amazing, whether it's SciShow or Crash Horse or Vlog Brothers. They're, they have other projects too, I'm sure, but those are the three that come to mind immediately. Yeah, and, and most recently on their channel, um, they they've been going back and forth basically just breaking down, you know, here is a video understanding the tax plans of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, understanding the healthcare proposals of the two candidates, understanding. And it's, it's just, it's kind of, it's, I don't want to say it's surface level because that sells it short. You know, obviously in a 10 minute video, it's hard to really go into depth into some of these things. But if you, if you don't know, like, if all you've heard over the last couple of months has been the crazy bombast and the conspiracy theories and the the the, the shitstorm and you legitimately are wondering what are these people's plans you know what what do they have to actually offer that's of substance the these videos give you 
more than a basic overview. Here is the the basics of what they're proposing. Here's the basics of what uh, nonpartisan think tanks think uh, are the legitimate outcomes. Uh, here is, you know, just, uh, and then here's a whole list of resources to go and find out more information if you have more questions. And so I highly recommend watching those videos because they are uh, very factual and they put in an election that has been really difficult to talk about anything except crazy crap. These are really good focused videos about serious topics that should be um, a concern in a month. So definitely go check that out. Oh, absolutely. Like uh, policy matters, folks. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Like the, the, the policies being pushed by politicians have consequences in, in your life i would argue that the ones that are running on a local level like state for state offices in some ways they're going to have more impact on i've been saying this for years um more impact on your day-to-day -day life than the, than the federal national sideshow not that the federal national federal stuff isn't important but uh it got me thinking about like and speaking of youtube of the app the youtube algorithm and how like what you watch determines what shows up in your feed and at any given time these days, my feed is like, you know, video game long play, video game music, wrestling, 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 Simpsons, wrestling, video game long plug play, late night talk show. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? Oh, and, and a lot of Steve and a whole bunch of Steven Universe peppered in there because apparently I've been watching that show in clips on YouTube rather than and every now and again watching full episodes of it. But Steven Universe is a really interesting cartoon because I feel like. It's one of the first that addresses like sex and particularly like issues of gender identity and sex identity, but not directly. I don't know if you've watched Steven Universe before. I have not. I've seen plenty of clips because I, I reside on the internet. And so, right. you know, there are some things it's hard to avoid if you reside on the internet. And that's one of them. So, I mean, I don't have to spoil too much, but the, the, the conceit behind this is that there's this race of you know aliens called the crystal gems where you know they're rock-based gem-based formations that have you know humanoid style bodies uh, most of the gems would resemble what on earth we'd call like you know woman a female and uh they have this thing that they do called fusion where fusion is sort of like the two gems sort of combine the powers become something you know bigger and they merge and you know normally you would think that something that's used to sell toys or whatever but fusion is treated sort of analogous to, to sex in terms of the the intimacy involved necessarily than the uh, the graphicness of it and mm -hmm. I always thought that was really cool and they're like whole storylines about betrayal of trust around fusion without spoiling the one thing or the other and how how meaningful it is to the gems and because it's like largely one gender who's like you know or would appear to be one gender who's fusing it sort of gives you a sort of mechanism to explain to children I mean now that kids are sort of confused about it anymore because it's been you know a couple of years i mean it's been a year since overfells with hoses passed and then like a couple of years since the sort of you know cultural no norms around uh, around same-sex marriage have changed dramatically in the last i think 10 years if you looked at like 2003 or 2002 the majority of the country was against it and you know that changed only recently like the past four or five years it got to a majority point and that's when the Supreme Court case led to uh, <laughs> to my to my marriage licenses as personal one person too, but I think that Steven Universe does a really good job of like explaining that to to kids and how that's important, and I just love the and it's it's sweet. I mean, aside from like the whole philosophy of it, it's just a really a really well drawn 
like a cartoon, really good animation, great color, great cast. Like it has a real heart to it. Mm-hmm. And I thought the, the ones, the things that I find that I watch the most tend to have, I mean, rather than dealing in big ideas, although that's a good too, like they deal with big heart. Like you feel for the character. Like The Simpsons at its core has ha- the best episodes of it had a really good heart. You you cared about the characters. You you got emotionally invested and you could tell it wasn't just two people trying to trade like, you know, snarky remarks at each other. They're not just vehicles for delivering dialogue. They're actual, you know, people and they have character. And they have character arcs and they have stories that go a certain way. And that's what the best kind of storytelling in my view where you have rather than dealing with big ideas, more it's more important to deal with with big hearts. This sounds a lot like what everybody has said about Adventure Time as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Adventure Time is sort of, that show gets hit you in the feel sometimes if you don't suspect it. And uh, it's not surprising. Cartoon Network's had a pretty good renaissance with uh, with cartoons in the last few years. I mean, regular show doesn't have as much, but I think it's sort of an interesting thing to look at. Ah, uh, they're, they're, they're knocking out of the park the last few years. It's gratifying to see cartoons that are aimed at kids or at least that are understood to be watched by kids they've not um that they've grown to respect that audience a lot more that uh just because it is a a show on the cartoon network that is ostensibly for young children that they've started to produce these you know really in-depth shows with interesting characters and story arcs uh, just as good as what you would see in, you know, traditional adult entertainment, you know, or late night TV. I don't want to necessarily say adult entertainment because I'm not talking about porn, but, you know, like we were just talking about shows on HBO Westworld. That is, those are not shows for children. But, you know, thinking to what you were just talking about uh, with Steven Universe and the things that I praised in Westworld were pretty much the exact same style of things. We were praising the characters and the story and the depth and the performances and the art and the drama and, you know, and yeah, maybe one is a cartoon that only runs for 22 minutes and the other is a a (laughs) giant TV show that runs for more than an hour. But we're looking for the same thing and I think giving that respect to kids is can only be good for them. You know, they they are, they can grasp a lot more than just the three stooges wailing on each other. And it's good to see cartoons going ahead and doing that. Yeah. And I think in a way we're kind of raised by cartoons. I mean, not solely, but take me for instance, I grew up with a certain number of cartoons in the 80s and 90s that certainly color my thinking about a lot of things. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain Planet, you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, I grew up on that. I think some of our people are actually some... I mean, it was a little heavy-handed, especially the episode was, they did about Joe. Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, it was really heavy-handed. It was but, super heavy-handed. Now, granted, when that thing came out, I was in high school, so right. maybe I was like a little jaded, but I seem to remember the same years that that was out and I was eye-rollingly disgusted than turning on Animaniacs. So it wasn't that I was in high school and I was too old and cool for cartoons. It, it, it wasn't good. 
It was preachy. <laughs> I mean, they did an episode where they're in like Johannesburg and the West Bank and Northern Ireland all at the same time, and going outside of their normal like anti-pollution stance and dealing with geopolitics, which is pretty dangerous. Um, you know, place to go. And, and looking back at that episode is like a gross oversimplification of the issues that are there. But even, but it came from a good place. Like Ted Turner wanted kids to be a little bit more conscious of their environment, and to an extent, it worked. Um, insofar as that generation's more interested, the one, the ones who grew up watching that show are all like, you know, they're all a lot of them are parents of their own, have families, have households, and and I think they're making better decisions because of it. Like Gargoyles, Batman the Animated Series, it sort of changed our expectation of what a cartoon should be, of what kids' entertainment could be. And you're seeing that again with this generation where, you know, they're doing some amazing things with the cartoon, like in terms of long form storytelling that you didn't see a lot of growing up. And it's I think that kind of like detail, that kind of effort put into something like that, it rubs off on kids. It gets them creative, gets them thinking. It makes them smart at the risk of sounding foolish. I think it makes them smarter than they otherwise would be. Better cartoons make better people. Well, not just cartoons. I mean, I think quality entertainment that just happens to be G or PG rated so that it can be viewed by kids. I think the quality rises to the top. And one of the key differences is that in that respect for the audience to not pander to them. It's not fart jokes. There is actual intellectual stimulus there. And to go just a... Um, hair's breath out of cartoons i'm constantly reminded of, of the muppet show and the muppets and how that was always a show that i could watch as a kid and adults could watch and i can watch again as an adult and enjoy it on a multitude of levels and even as a kid maybe i didn't get some of the references that they would drop but it would spurn me on, you know, in an age where I couldn't just Google who Yasha Heifetz was when Rolf in the Muppet movie says, I'm no Heifetz, but I get by. I was like, who is this Heifetz guy? I got to figure out who that guy is, you know? <laughs> and that's a that's a, a kid's movie. You know, it's a Muppet-filled kid's movie that, but because it had that kind of sensibility that it wasn't, you know, pandering that it was all right you know we're gonna make these jokes and yeah maybe a couple of them will fly over the kids heads but if they're good jokes you can still understand the joke without getting the reference and kids will want to figure out the reference yeah and, and to that end i hope that over the past 10 years i've been able to raise the level of discourse among the people listening to it like that i've given you some food for thought and I don't know that I ever had a goal in mind when I did this other than to sort of, you know, entertain, get my thoughts out there. And if I've done that on any special imagination, then, you know, then I've, then I've had a good week. It's been a good week when you can make people think. Also, we've had our share of fart jokes, too. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you can't have it all. Like, you can't, it can't all be filet mignon. Every now and again, you need a greasy cheeseburger. And mm. I hope to provide that, too. We are a smorgasbord. We offer plenty of food for thought, not just the fancy stuff. So uh, on a uh, segue, I came very close today to actually subscribing to Blue Apron. And the only thing that kept me from doing it is it is a little out of my price range. Yeah, it's but a little costly. It's like, what, 10 bucks a meal or something? It ends up being 10 bucks a meal. And uh, for two people, 
it was, yeah, I think it was like 49-ish bucks to get three meals a week. It was something like that. It ends up roughly being about 10 bucks uh, for like the two-person meal. It's a little bit more for the family size. Um, it's not outrageous for, if you think about it, if Luke and I were to go out to eat, even at a cheap place, unless you're talking about like, I'm not, I'm not talking takeout. I'm not talking like a burger, you know, fast food place. I'm talking, all right, a decent sit down place. You're easily going to spend 30, 40 bucks on a meal. And that's at the, the low end. Um, the Mexican place that we went to, we had a couple margaritas and some entrees and it ended up being 60 bucks. And well, you know what though? The margaritas were huge. The portions were huge. It, and actually for 60 bucks for two people to sit down and have a meal and drinks and, and we did two entrees and then Luke had an appetizer plus the drinks. So I didn't think that was expensive at all. And there's probably at least a couple of more meals there from leftovers. Uh, there were not, but there could, but there (laughs) could have been if it wasn't for like, uh, it's Friday and we're about to die because of a storm. Nom, nom, nom. Anyway, $10 is if you, um, if you consider the price of going to a grocery store to buy food at home, it's expensive. If you consider the going out to eat alternative it is relatively inexpensive, especially for the quality of food that I am, uh, I'm told you're getting from people that I know that have it. But still a little out of the price range. But what I'm probably actually going to be doing, especially since um, that partnership between Amazon and Twitch has happened recently, I might finally pull the trigger on Amazon Prime. Ooh, exciting. Finally do the pledge, which comes means you get all the shows that would come to Amazon Prime, like Transparent and the Man High Castle. Well, there's a, that was one of the of the appeal for actually what I'm hoping is it's more for Luke because he is a much more voracious consumer of media, especially as a have it on while he's drawing. And so the fact that Amazon Prime lets you view all of their shows uh you can stream all kinds of movies there's all kinds of music that you can stream all with amazon prime um for for those that don't know the the kicker for me is there's this partnership between amazon and and twitch now where if you have amazon prime you get the whole bunch of stuff in twitch but the the big thing being uh you get a subscription to a twitch channel of your choice um I think they say, oh, a free subscription, but it's not really. It's just part of your Amazon subscription. I am currently subscribed to uh, Geek and Sundry for a critical role. So signing up, we're not really saving money because it's going to cost more money to get Amazon Prime per month than it is to pay for my Twitch subscription per month. But it is because it is something that's included in the Amazon Prime thing it there's a little bit of savings there, which is nice. So I haven't done it yet, uh, but I, I think we're going to, I think we might go ahead and do it just because of that and all of the the media that can be consumed. And, you know, we do have to place an order with them and like buy things. Well, yeah, it's a loss leader. Sure. They give you that, that, that offer. They throw some stuff with it, with the hope that you buy stuff, but yeah. I mean, you're going to, you're going to buy stuff anyway. Why not buy it from Amazon if you get all this extra stuff anyway? Yeah, literally, it's one of those like, 
I am subscribed to a Twitch channel already. I would be buying stuff from Amazon already. Like I already have a, a tiny little list of things we need to order. And um, we would like some of the media that's on there. So yes, it, you know, it's, it's the, I am not saving money by buying something, but I am going to be saving more money than I would be by getting this subscription. So I think I'm going to do that. And I'll let you know next week what happens. That's exciting. Well, until then, our sound producer is Jonathan, not present Cerna. Hey, guys. I'll have you know that, I don't know, I can't do Jonathan's thing. He, he's so good he's, at those, like, off the cuff. He's currently shooting shit in a raid. Yeah, he is. For, for Crota, or against Crota. I forget how these things work. It's been a while. <laughs> Parallel pro, to Crota. Pretty sure he's pro pro Crota. And he, he will be on this broadcast unless he proves otherwise. So you may have heard words at the beginning of this show that those come from Bob Ball, the voice actor. Uh, you may have heard music at the beginning and end of the show. Those come from our friend Linnea Boyev. And on behalf of Lauren Urban, Jonathan Cerna, and the entire Globe Shark staff, this is Jack Edithel saying good night, good hell, and the power is yours. That's all for this week's episode of Glib Shark. But you can find more swimming around the internet. Go fishing for us on iTunes. We're a five-star catch. Or follow us on Twitter, at Glib Shark. You can even drop us a line, glibshark at gmail.com. Until next week, stay sharky, my friends.